0: Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini.
1: Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. We are going to have a great time together today. You're going to learn a lot. Our goal today is to help you become an everyday millionaire, and... I have a great guest for you today. His name is Chris Hogan, and Chris has a great story himself. For the past 10 years, he's been working with Dave Ramsey. He's the host of The Chris Hogan Show, a wonderful podcast, and his newest book, Everyday Millionaires, How Ordinary People Built Extraordinary Wealth, and How You Can Do It Too. That's a topic I'm very excited about. He's a former football player. He's God's man, and he has a voice that makes Barry White sound like a wimp. So, Chris, the top of the morning to you. Well, thank you, my friend. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, we've been crossing paths for a lot of years, and we have a lot of buddies in common, and I just have heard nothing but great things about you since day one, and I know things are really exploding for you right now. Before we get into all the great stuff that takes to be an overnight success, if you're game for a moment, can we go back to the early days and what it was like growing up in the Hogan household and where you got your start?
2: Well, yeah, oh, we definitely can go back. I mean, for me, I'm a small-town Kentucky boy, Mm -hmm. born and raised, and was raised by a single mom, Mm -hmm. um, had a big extended family with uncles and aunts, and so had a whole lot of love. We did not have a whole lot of money, Mm -hmm. but we spent a lot of time together, Brian, quality time, and so family's a big deal to me, and being able to be connected and be together, and I had an opportunity to really learn and start to see the world in a different way because of my family.
1: Nice. And you're a pretty athletic guy, and you got to play some football and, and be an All-American right there in your local town, right?
2: I sure did. I actually, I went to Georgetown College, okay. a small school, probably about 30 minutes away, so I was able to stay close. Yeah. Family was able to come over and watch me play, and it oh, was a blast. And And I'll tell you, my college experience... And I know how you coach and train Mm -hmm. uh, your real estate agents all across the country. Uh And I have to tell you, you know, the job of a coach is an important role Mm -hmm. because my coaches were instrumental in helping me to start to believe what was possible
0: Mm. for me.
2: Despite where I came from And any of this, I get an opportunity to make an impact where I am. And so I'm so grateful for the teachers and the coaches that I had in my life.
1: Mm. So how do you go from football player to working at Ramsey Solutions? That's quite a...
2: Yeah, that's a big jump. Well, actually, after college, I went on to grad school, uh, got my master's degree, and then started into the banking world. Mm -hmm. I was doing the consumer finance industry at that time and moved up the ranks there before I moved into mainstream banking, before I opened my own mortgage company, Mm. and then went back into the banking side on the wealth management side, working with pro athletes and entertainers. And it was during that time that Dave and I crossed paths and struck up
1: a friendship nice so you got to see how to do it right you also got to see a lot of people do it wrong right you better believe Uh, it i'm going to
2: tell you something it didn't matter what walk of life you came from Mm. right it didn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on right this money thing and understanding how it works you either work it or it'll work you
1: right well we have a lot in common and there's an awful lot to be said for the folks that have come up like we have without a lot and then be able to go and produce. And it produces so much. You know, my mentor, Jim Rohn, said, become a millionaire for what it makes of you. And Mm. there's more to being a millionaire than the money, obviously. And I love the dynamic of what you're talking about. You know, Dr. Thomas Stanley wrote The Millionaire Next Door, which was kind of like the first time exposing, hey, you know, these guys are at Walmart. They're not at Saks Fifth Avenue. And I feel like you've kind of taken it to the next step here. And I'm very excited about this book and this work you're doing because it really is a process of helping people understand that the extraordinary is in the ordinary. It's the little choices. It's the little things. It's done over time. And so let's kind of dive in here a little bit, because the word millionaire is an excitable thing. When I was flying privately for the past 17 years, there's an actual FBO, a fixed-base operation. You know, you've flown with Ramsey many times. And one of them is called Millionaire, A-I-R, right? And there's all this association and attachment with this word. Yeah, But let's break it down a little bit. You know, to you, what's a millionaire to you?
2: Well, you're right. There's all of these misconceptions. Whenever you say millionaire, people are thinking of a man or a woman in a sharp suit leaning up against, you know, a fancy car in front of a big house. Yeah. And I really wanted to find out the truth. You know, Mm -hmm. are millionaires just trust fund babies? Are these people that are just hanging out and they had it all handed to them and life was just easy? Mm -hmm. Or are these regular, everyday, hardworking people that have really dove in and done things for themselves? And so we did the largest study that's ever been done. You know, we talked to over 10,000 millionaires all across the country Mm -hmm. to get to the truth. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate you mentioning Mr. Thomas Stanley. Mm -hmm. What a class act. And his book, The Millionaire Next Door, was eye-opening for me as well. Mm -hmm. Growing up out of a small town in Kentucky, starting to really understand what was possible for me. Mm. What were the habits of these millionaires? And Mr. Stanley surveyed and talked to around 800 millionaires when he did that project back Mm -hmm. in the 90s. And so I wanted to find out the reality. I wanted to go bigger. And so we talked to over 10,000 to drill down into the truth. So you ask, what is a millionaire? Yeah. Well, in my mind, it's a matter of looking at what you own whether that's your bank account, your 401Ks, your 403Bs, your real estate, the equity, all of that, what you own minus what you owe. Mm -hmm. So take what you own, subtract out anything you owe on. If that end result is a million or more, then congratulations, you're an everyday millionaire.
1: Right. And the big thing for people is they have to understand that all of a sudden balloons don't drop from the ceiling, confetti doesn't fly in the sky. I don't know the day I became a millionaire, Chris. I don't know the day. You know, and that's the thing. It was just it was a Tuesday or something, you know. It's and and I think that's what a lot of people think. It's this big bang. It's this overnight thing or you got to be in the right place at the right time. You got to have your company acquired. You got to invent some app. You know, you got to win the genealogical pool. Yes. You know, and so many people think, as you alluded to it, that people have inherited it. And let's kind of dive in there for a second. And maybe one of the great ways to go about this, as you do in your book, is kind of expose the myths, right? You you yes. blow apart these myths. And so what are some of the common myths that people have about millionaires?
2: Well, the biggest one, Brian, that I've heard and heard a lot was people think a millionaire is somebody that inherited the money. Right. They just had it handed to them. Yeah. And you and I know better than that, but I wanted people to know the truth. So remember, we talked to over 10,000 of them. Wow. 79% of the millionaires that we talked to didn't inherit one dime.
1: I'm in the group. Me too.
2: Didn't (laughs) inherit not one dime. And so people need to hear this and understand, you know, that they know these are not people that were just handed to them. These were people that built wealth over time.
1: Yeah a great story my dad and mom are 88 years of age my dad's a house painter they live in the same house since 1957 and he was going through the attic the other day and he discovered a stock certificate and he's called me up you know because i've been his retirement for 26 years and he called me up and he says brian i found your inheritance I bought 50 pounds worth, which is be about $100 worth of stock in an Irish utility, he says. And I think it's worth 110 <laughs> I don't know if that disqualifies me as an inherited trust fund baby now, but that happened just last week. I almost split myself. That is hilarious. So 79% didn't inherit a dime, right? So that's a giant myth buster, right?
2: It is. The next myth, people believe this to be a millionaire you got to have a high-paying job right like you have to have a job where you're a CEO a CMO and here's the truth a third of the millionaires that we talked to never had a six-figure household income in a single working year Wow a third of them never made six figures so the average millionaire is an everyday, hardworking man or woman that's built wealth over time. Yep. But let me tell you this. You're going to get a kick out of this. The top three positions of the over 10,000 millionaires we talked to, number one were engineers. Hmm. Doesn't surprise me. They're good at planning stuff. Right. Number two were accountants. Sure. That's good. They're good accountants. But number three, Brian, was teachers.
1: Interesting.
2: School teachers and college professors. And here's the thing. It's a matter of people not having this big-paying job. It's a matter of having a plan for the money they do make.
1: Right. Well, something that really impacted me years and years ago is I became friends with a family in Northern California. They were clients of mine and became tight with every member of the family. And so the grandfather of the family dies, and I go up for the funeral. He had never made more than $27,000 a year. He was a janitor in the San Francisco school system. And you know how this story ends. You already know. Yes, I do. Now, the thing is... He was beloved by his family. He was married 63 years. He was faithful in his church. He spent time. He was at all the kids' games, the kids' games, the grandkids' games. He worked in the local community. He kept up the local church. He was kind of the custodian. He left $9.4 million worth of net worth. Wow. Now, it doesn't hurt when you own downtown San Francisco real estate for 60 years. (laughs) He'd maintained his own buildings. He drove a little old truck that looked like, you know, it was a five-star truck because you could see the five stars through the hole in the roof, you know? <laughs> $9.4 million net worth. Unbelievable. Never made more than twenty seven grand a year in his life. That's right. I love
2: hearing that story mm-hmm. because I want people out there to understand, I don't care where you came from. I don't care where your start point is. You get an opportunity to make a decision about what you're going to do as you move forward. Mm -hmm. And, Brian, I'm going to tell you, I want people to hear me with this message because too many times we have family members that don't think you can. and Some of them are crazy enough to tell you that you Mm can't. I want people to hear and understand the American dream is alive and available. Mm -hmm. What we have to do is decide to grab it.
1: Come on. Preach it some more. I'm getting fired up here. Because that is true. It is alive and well, and it's not an entitlement, and it's not something you inherit, and it's still alive and well for those who want to pursue it, and God bless us all. You know, uh, we've won the geographical lottery, you know? So let's dive in here a little bit, you know, as far as the key attributes that help these folks. I mean, think about it. You've passed over pretty quick. A 10,000-person study, and every one of them's a millionaire. I don't know of anything that's ever been done on that scale. It's phenomenal. So... Give me some key attributes of people who've become millionaires.
2: Yeah, well, I wanted to know what these men and women had in common. Mm -hmm. And we know it's not about inheritance. We know it's not about the DNA lottery. It's about people. And so here are the five attributes that I found common amongst these average millionaires. Number one, they take personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Number two, they practice intentionality with their finances. Number three, they're goal-oriented. Number four, they're hard workers. Mm -hmm. And number five is they know that wealth building requires consistency over time.
1: Sounds like someone you want to have as your next door neighbor, right? That's exactly right. Not the wolf on Wall Street, not the uh, Wall Street guy, Gordon gecko, greed is good. These sound like the kind of people you'd like to have as your next door neighbor. Walk me through this a little bit. What does personal responsibility mean to you and everyday millionaires?
2: Well, the personal responsibility is a matter of they're not looking to blame anybody. Mm -hmm. There's not a victim mentality. Mm -hmm. If they did it or they didn't do something, they were the first people to own it. Mm -hmm. They weren't looking to cause or say it had anything to do about anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so that mindset means that when you're taking personal responsibility, when it goes well, you're owning it. And if it doesn't go well,
1: you fix it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, it puts you in a great state of mind for opportunities, right? One of the things I've always seen with this, and that responsibility is the flip side of it, is this gratitude that comes with it. You know, you're thankful for what you have, and you can't have entitlement and thankfulness and gratitude in your heart at the same time. No. And so I think that responsibility is the strong, serious approach to it that leads to this gratitude that's very powerful. Talk about intentionality with your finances. What does that mean? Well,
2: intentionality with the finances. I mean, this book is really boils down to about being intentional, Mm -hmm. which means you happen to your life. You don't allow life just to happen to you. Mm -hmm. And so intentionality with finances means the money that they're making, Mm -hmm. they have a plan for it. You know, I love John Maxwell's quote, you either tell money where to go or wonder where it went. (laughs) And so, you know, I love that. So budgeting, You know, learning to save, get yourself out of debt and investing. These are things that you do month in and month out, regardless of income level.
1: You know, it's interesting. I made the mistake the other day. I was actually in the barbershop, and they had the morning shows on. So I'm getting the early morning haircut, actually, before the store opened up. And they have the morning shows on, and there was a finance expert on. And he said, you know, I don't believe in budgeting because you can't get people to do it. But you got to spend less than you make. And I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, how the frost do you do that? You know, how do you spend less than you make if you don't know where it's going if you don't control right. it? And this is the problem we live in today is nobody asks the question, where'd you come from? What did you ever do? You know, I mean you have a background not only in the banking, the wealth management, you're ten years immersed in the Ramsey organization there. You've seen it, you've seen what works, you've seen what doesn't work. Talk to folks about this whole dynamic of you know, the process of getting our arms around it and controlling it instead of it controlling them.
2: Well, it's, it's, it's a game changer. It's, it's one of those, I first want people to believe that you can do this. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care what you didn't know prior or what no one ever showed you. You've got an opportunity to learn. There's free information out on the Internet. You can learn the skill set. And, Brian, I think it really drills down into three areas. I think it starts with our belief of what we think is possible for us. Mm-hmm. If you don't think you can, you won't. You know the mm-hmm. quote, whether you believe you can or can't, either way, you're right. Yeah. So we've got to believe that it's possible and it's available to us. Uh Next, we've got to grow in our knowledge. Uh We've got to get around people that are teaching you information and guiding you, and we've got to read and do some self-teaching. And third, it's about our actions. Uh What steps are we taking to practice these skill sets that will give us proficiency? Right. You know, people have said practice makes perfect. No, that's incorrect. Practice builds proficiency, which builds confidence Uh that allows you to constantly improve.
0: Uh
1: Mm-hmm. No doubt. And and again, obviously, you know, I, I, you get this all the time. I, you know, you mentioned our coaching program. We have a system that helps people sell a heck of a lot more homes and get a lot more referrals. But we will not coach somebody who will not control their budget. If they don't have a working business and home budget within a year, we won't let them renew as a client because we know this is doomed to failure. Like, you're going to make a ton more. You're going to sell a lot more. But the pain's going to be a lot worse because you're going to lose it. And if if you don't get it under wraps, it's just not going to happen. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, Bill Gates, I tell people all the time, he lives one block over from me. He has a budget, and Mm -hmm. people don't realize this. Now, he's got a crazy budget. Right. Okay, he just bought a $2 million easement to build a golf cart path from his home down to the golf carts. Okay, that's big money, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's his budget. He decided to take on malaria because the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they think they can eradicate malaria in Africa, but they couldn't take out AIDS. And wow. they said AIDS was too big a problem. It would require too much money. And so people think you get to a place in life where you have so much money, you don't ever have to worry about it again. There's the richest man in the world for over, what, 20 years? And he's That's going, right. I can't afford this, but I can afford that. And right. it becomes a part of your criteria. And obviously, look, Dave Ramsey is the gold standard in getting your finances under control and getting your budget squared away. But this dynamic that you're talking about, I think, gives people hope that they can do it. And hope is a great thing, sometimes the best of things. And good hope never dies, right? Straight out of Shawshank.
2: No, you're absolutely right. And here's the thing. The believing that you can is so important. This stat blew me away. Mm -hmm. 97% of the millionaires that I talk to believe that they control their own destiny. Mm -hmm. 97%. Yeah. Now, what that's saying is, is you're talking to people that don't have a victim mentality. Mm -hmm. They're not looking to make an excuse. They're looking to make progress. And I love that because that mindset is what makes America the best country on the planet. We have opportunities in front of us. We just have to make decisions.
1: Well, here's a dynamic. You have these teachers that are becoming millionaires, and yet people will say, the brand is teachers are broke. In our company... I'm in a spot now, we're going into our 24th year, and I've had a scenario where all of these coaches, one of the challenges I have is they're all retiring, and we have these Buffini millionaires, because these coaches who made their clients a lot more money than they made, That's right. but they were faithful, we do matching funds, 401ks, and all of these things, and they've had the compounding effect of a couple of decades, they're all retiring millionaires, which I'm happy for, and now I'm like, I have to replace them, you know, but it's great stuff.
2: I'm going to tell you this. I've been a part and been able to plug in with your program and have attended your events, and you all are very serious about equipping and training your people. And that, to me, it makes a statement, because when you put the right information in the hands of the right people, change can happen. Mm -hmm. Good things can happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's just it's exciting. I want more people just to understand this message. You have it available to you. And what we have to do is just make some decisions and put ourselves on that path.
1: Well, you talked about believe and you can do it and then the next piece here was being goal oriented talk to me a little bit about specific goals for finances i mean if someone writes a goal i want to be a millionaire it seems like it's a little vague it's a little not specific enough how would you recommend somebody go about writing goals
2: well, Brian, I'm gonna go with this process that I heard you talk about years ago and that's smart goals. Right. Right? Where you've got to begin to break some things down and it's great if you've got the big goal, but financially, what are you gonna do? I mm-hmm. think number one, you've gotta control the money that's in your hands right now. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that whole budgeting mindset. Right. That I'm gonna have this money and I'm gonna tell it where to go. Right. Number two, another good goal is to get yourself out of debt or to attack the credit card debt, the mm-hmm. consumer loans and things that are hanging around. Right. When you get yourself out of debt, you give yourself a raise.
1: Mm-hmm. Love that phrase. Love That's that phrase. That's a big one.
2: Yes, you give yourself a raise. Then I want you to build up a three to six month of emergency fund. Sure. Set aside so it gives you a little cushion between you and life. Then I want you to start to invest. Mm -hmm. You know, Dave and I have been telling people for years, strive to invest 15% of your household income into some type of retirement account. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Roth 401k, if it's available, Mm -hmm. 401k, the standard or IRAs, all of these things are designed to help you.
1: Yep, the SEP for folks who are uh, self-employed, the last vestige of a uh, credit for any kind of tax for a small business owner, right? That's right. And so this is key. And, you know, you talk about control what you have, right? There's twice as much said about money in the Bible than there is about love. And I I think because God knew how screwed up we'd be with money. You know, if you can't be faithful with a little, you can't be given much, right? When I was in real estate, people used to say, once we buy this new house, I'm going to join the gym. And we go, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. If you're going to work out, join the gym today and then move. And it was, oh, once I'm here, once I'm there. The real deal is control what you have now. I think that's such a profound principle take control of the money you have because if you can't take care of a thousand bucks you sure as heck can't take care of a hundred thousand
2: that's right i'm going to tell myself right here because before i knew dave that would be my statement Mm. you know i was making 30 40 grand and i'd say you know what once i get to 50 to 60 i'll start Mm. to get more serious yeah and here's the reality no i didn't (laughs) what i did was his lifestyle grew yeah and I still kept doing the same stupid stuff I didn't yeah. do. Yeah. So you're right. Make a decision today. Yeah. I don't care if you make $20,000 or $120,000. let us start to take control over the money because you work too hard to earn this money for it to not do anything for you.
1: Right. And it's a matter of controlling those appetites. I mean, obviously, you gotta not keep up with the Joneses. But I, I sure. think so much of it, and it's kind of off the script a little bit here. But I just think so much of consumerism and consumer spending deals with identity. We find our identity in it, and we find our identity in a big car, or with the big house, or and the next thing you know, that that's you know our possessions. And so it's, we don't possess them; they possess us. That's right. Right, and they own us. Right. And it's like, hang on a second here, and so. I'm not saying you have to go and join a Tibetan monastery here to get right with money. But ultimately, the deal is you got to hold it with an open hand, right? you got to hold it with an open hand, control what you have, get out of debt, get your reserves, and then start to grow it. And if you can grow it in a vehicle. Next piece here, and I know you're a hard worker, and I know the culture at Ramsey Solutions is hard work. I love those guys. You walk through the buildings, and I know the big new headquarters open up there. It's like a beehive. I I love the energy of the place. But talk about being a hard worker. You don't get to be an All-American in Georgetown, Kentucky without being a hard worker. Talk about that.
2: Well, I'm going to tell you, I've never met anybody that achieved any kind of level of success that didn't know how to put in the work. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things that I think as a country, we have it in our backbone. We have it in our fiber Mm. to be able to work hard and be able to push forward. You know, we don't need anyone's permission slip to go out and make a decision to try some stuff, Mm -hmm. right? You might have needed those back in grade school. But as adults, we don't have anybody sign the permission slip. We get to sign it. And so this mindset of these regular everyday people that are working hard day in and day out being very intentional with what they're doing it just shows it's possible Mm -hmm. and so for people out there that are listening that have been told or doubted at some point welcome to the club the bottom line is is we get to make choices for ourselves not others
1: and that choice is an everyday choice right it's an everyday millionaire and it's an everyday choice and you know that's the bottom line is it's every morning before the feet hit the carpet you have a choice and you have decisions to make and it's Little bit by little bit by little bit. You know, life's hard by the yard, it's a cinch by the inch. And, you know, Albert Einstein said that the eighth wonder of the world was compound interest. Those who understand it receive it, and those who don't pay it. That's right. This last piece here, you say, is wealth building takes consistency. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Well, these are people, Brian, that they weren't trying to strike it rich overnight. Mm-hmm. These were hardworking everyday men and women that day in and day out, they were intentional with their money, but they also invested. And you're absolutely right. Compound interest is amazing. And when we put it to work for us, it is absolutely a money grower. Mm-hmm. And it's so relative because 79% of the millionaires said they became millionaires because of this one reason. They utilized employer-sponsored retirement plans, mm-hmm. 401ks. 403Bs, Roth IRAs, and IRAs said it was the number one factor. Yeah. And so that falls into SEPs out there for self-employed people. Sure. So we've got to be intentional. The government's not going to save the day for us. Yeah. They've proven to us they can't count, right? <laughs> Look at our national debt. Yeah. What we have to do is count on ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and again, you know, what's great is, and I'm going to play this particular episode for our new employees at Buffini Company. We're hiring a lot of people right now and again, they want to know why all these folks had a chance to retire after a 20-year career at Buffenian Company is because they're walking away with seven-figure 401Ks, tax-deferred, tax benefit there. And you know what's happened for us? This is an interesting thing for our company. As we taught budgeting, by the way, we've had the Ramsey classes all the way through our company. There's certified facilitators on staff at Buffining Company that have Financial Peace University. But as we taught our staff financial responsibility, as they started to invest, you know what else started to happen? What's that? They started to watch the expenses of the Company even better, and uh-huh. the company made more money. When employees became more fiscally responsible, the organization became even more fiscally responsible because people all of a sudden were realizing, hey, I'm throwing that ream of paper out, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that. Say, I wouldn't do that at my home. You know, that's right. and so everybody wins in that dynamic. You like I say, putting it away, it gets to grow. Warren Buffett is just a really good mathematician who understands compounding. You know, <laughs> and that's why he's able to project. Right. You know, he's added sixty years. They call him a genius, right? If you think about it, he got a nineteen percent return on his investment. He turned what was a share of Berkshire Hathaway was nineteen bucks, but over the course of forty years, it's now worth one hundred seventy-two thousand dollars. And that's compounding, and it's 19%, 19%, bum, pom pom bum, bum, away we go. It doesn't have to be Warren Buffett. You know, he's had a bet for the past five years of $5 million for any hedge fund manager to outperform the S&P 500. And he goes, I'll give you a five-year window, and I puts up $5 million. You know that not one hedge fund manager has taken him up on this. Oh, wow. Not one. No, I didn't know that. Not one. He goes, hey, here's my money, $5 bucks. You outperformed the S&P for five years. And they can't do it. And he knows because it's about compounding. It's about being consistent. It's about saving the 100 bucks. It's not overnight millionaires. It's everyday millionaires.
2: That's exactly right. And it's so important.
1: Well, we have so much we can talk about and so much more to go. But let me do this. We do this with every celebrity and every person who's ever been on our show. I ask five questions. Just to get to know Chris Hogan better and to give folks a little more understanding of who this advocate for the American dream and this advocate for everyday millionaires is. So I want to get to know you, and they want to get to know you a little bit better. So first and foremost, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
2: Oh, wow. The absolute best piece of advice I've ever been given is to be kind to others, Hmm. to understand the importance of relationships.
1: Was that your mom?
2: That was Mama Hogan.
1: You know, come on, Mama Hogan. Yes. Mama hogan she that's how we're heroes are made right there god bless that's her that's right great what one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't oh oh i wish i could golf better come on well come yes. on out to san diego brother you gotta oh. get out of tennessee on the winter time you gotta come to san diego <laughs> visit the buffini brothers and we right. will golf you up right that'd be good i'm in I'm all in. right what book has been most instrumental in your life oh absolutely the bible great well i'm not gonna let you get away with that answer because here's okay. what i want what character in the Bible do you most identify with?
2: Oh, I would have to say Paul. Come on. Yes. Yeah. And then outside of that, you know, Zig Ziglar has had an incredible impact mm, on my life mm-hmm. growing up. And yeah. so, you know, anything by Zig, I was consuming in college and made a massive difference
1: in nice. my life. Well, we're brothers from a different mother in that regard, okay? Yeah. If I turn this camera around, you'd see a big portrait of Zig right here, and he's with exactly. me every day. He's with me yes, every day. Sir. Yes. Okay, Chris Hogan's in the car He wants to get the juice. What song, what artist is he listening to? What is your jam?
2: Oh, oh! this is a great question. If I'm trying to get pumped up, I'm probably turning on a couple of different things. I'm either going to be listening to some rock. Okay. I'll go to Guns N' Roses. Oh, really? Gonna, oh, Come yeah, on. Absolutely, Guns N' nice. Roses. Nice. Or I'm probably going to go to some kind of R&B. Okay. With something with a good bass line and a beat.
1: That's great. All right. You don't get a chance to do it much. You're a busy guy, but you're scrolling through the channels, and that one movie is on that every time it's on, you stop and check it out. What's that one movie that you've watched over and over again that just does it for you?
2: I have to tell you, it's got to be Tombstone.
1: Wow, that's the awesome! Movie
2: Tombstone. I don't yep. care where it is. When I scroll, if it's on the TV, I'm yeah. watching it till the end.
1: What is it about that movie that just gets you?
2: I think it's the brotherhood
1: factor, mm. the
2: factor of him being so connected and caring about his friends and family so much that he was willing to make whatever sacrifice was necessary. He was standing up for what was right.
1: You bet. That's great. All right, last but not least, give me one item on your bucket list.
2: Oh, item on my bucket list is to be able to take my boys on a trip around the world.
1: Come on. How old are the boys?
2: Yeah. The boys are 12, 13, and 14.
1: Come on. You got a full quiver. That's great. Yeah. I got three boys, three girls. I'll say this the greatest experiences I can point to is being together, traveling. And to me, you know, there's things faith, knowledge, there's heart knowledge. There's head knowledge and the goal setting and the finances. But being well-traveled and getting to experience more of the world did two things for my kids. Made them appreciate where they come from and what they have and yes. also expanded their world to let them know how big this world is. And, you know, mm-hmm. God's a very big God, and he doesn't speak with an American accent. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, I and, like that. That's great stuff. Well, a couple of things. You have a lot of great resources on ChrisHogan360.com. Some very cool stuff in there, net worth calculators, great tips, great ideas, some great stuff worth checking out. We have a book by an audience, and we have 250,000 people tuning in this morning, and I'm just going to say, go get yourself a copy of Everyday Millionaires. I endorse this book heavily. I endorse this man heavily. I know who he is. I know where he comes from and what he's all about. And this is a heck of a book and a great timing for it. So I hope folks run out and get themselves a copy of this. I'm going to give you a last word here, Chris, a final word for our audience.
2: Well, I appreciate you, Brian, and thank you so much. The final word to your audience is this. Just understand that where you are right now doesn't have to be where you end up Mm. unless you choose to. You've got an opportunity to make some decisions and to make some small changes. I believe in you. I know what you can do, and I know the good you can do showing others that it's possible.
1: I'm ready to run out and do some push-ups, some jumping jacks, and get my kids saving even more money. Chris, you're a blessing. You've been a blessing to our audience today, and uh, I'm going to throw our podcast over to a blessing to me, Mr. David Lally. Over to you, Mr. Lally, and wrap it up for us.
0: Thanks, Brian and Chris. Loved this content. We all did here in the control room today. One of my favorite things you teach on, Brian, at your Mastermind event is the finance section. I'm looking forward to that event in August in San Diego. And if any of you want to see the man in person, visit buffiniandcompany.com slash mm to learn more. And in the meantime, I'll leave you with a little Irish blessing from Brian's mum, Therese.
1: May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.